Hello, and welcome to Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We are going to hear stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine here. If you don't know who I am, I am a social worker based out of California. Had my license for a couple years now, since 2019. And I have a lot of experience in medical social work, specifically doing home visits with hospice, which is where a lot of our safety tips is going to come from today. However, these are not just helpful only with hospice. They can be helpful for all settings. Additionally, this is an overview, right? So I don't know specifically where you are at, what neighborhood you're visiting, what type of home visits you're doing, the kind of population that you're serving. However, I'm able to give you an overview of general safety tips that you need to know if you are making home visits as part of your work as a social worker. Additionally, your employer should be doing safety training with you and your clinical supervisor should also be checking in with you on these on any kind of safety concerns that may arise within your specific place of employment. So take these as kind of just an overview and a general knowledge of what is important. Take what is helpful, leave the rest, it is okay. Uh, especially as new social workers, it's important to have this foundational knowledge about the types of situations that you might find yourself in. And I don't want you to get scared from this podcast. This podcast episode is helped to prepare you for what you may encounter, right? So you're already a social worker. Maybe you're new to the field. Maybe you are in grad school or maybe you're preparing for internships. Either way, having some sort of safety knowledge is going to be really, really beneficial that you know, one, what to look out for, and two, how to be prepared for if you happen to encounter, you know, any of these situations. And this is important also, too, because the National Association of Social Workers has actually reported that people in social work and related occupations are nearly five times as likely to suffer a serious workplace violence injury than in any than in other sectors, right? So the risk is real, and we need to acknowledge this and be prepared for it, right? So there could be the risk of physical or emotional violence. You may experience threats, uh, even verbal abuse within the work that you do, whether it's with clients or, I mean, hopefully not within your own agency, but there are agencies who have toxic environments. Toxic environment is a whole nother story. I have a whole training on that if that's something that you're interested in. Um, and 
by the way, I'll put that in the show notes. If you do want to know if you are in a toxic work environment and what to do about it and how to prevent yourself from getting hired into a toxic work environment, what questions to ask during the interview. But I digress back to the, the topic. So it is important that you understand what these risks are, right? So from the perspective of visiting neighborhoods, right? You could be going into all sorts of different kinds of neighborhoods that are high in poverty, have high crime rates, have high drug use, have high homelessness and mental health conditions, right? So some good general tips is if you're going into neighborhoods or really anywhere you're going, really only take what you need. So for example, when I would do my hospice visits, typically when I go in there, I would have just a bag, nothing flashy or anything, but a bag, I would have my iPad in it because sometimes I would need to, to look at it for client notes. I would also have my cell phone and any kind of papers that I might need. So a little folder with those papers. However, if I knew that I was going into a neighborhood that was a little bit more rough around the edges that might be dangerous or into a home that might be dangerous, I would only take the papers. So I would leave my cell phone and I would leave the iPad in the car and try to do my best to prepare myself before I go in. And if there's anything that came up during the visit that I needed to look into, then I would make a note for myself on the papers. So that way I'm really, oh, and I would have my badge too. So a form of ID. So that way I was really only taking in what it was that I needed to take in. Right. Additionally, in addition to the neighborhoods, it's important to know about the people. So the people that you are going to be visiting and the people that are around in the neighborhood, maybe the neighbors, it is possible to get harassed by other people, whether it's the clients themselves, family members, neighbors, you know, who knows, right? I know that there would be sometimes, some, sometimes where I would go into neighborhoods that I was going to see a hospice patient but the neighbors were out and they would be hollering and just like acting a fool. Or I had another coworker who they went to go visit a client who was mentally unstable and the client tried to uh, get physical with her and, and was flirting and was making advances. And so she had to leave immediately as soon as possible. So being aware of that and, you know, doing your homework, right? So looking at the case notes and seeing what other interactions staff members have had and being able to just take as many precautions as possible. So some of the precautions may be, do you need a visit with another staff? Maybe this person has to have two staff members there at all times. They can't be left alone with with one staff member, or maybe they maybe they only have a certain gender of staff members. Maybe there's no females that visit, or there's no males that visit, if especially if the client is intimidated by males, you know, things like that to take into consideration. Additionally, it's important to know: do you need the police to be there with you? 
that could be an option too, especially if you are working in situations such as child protection services or CPS, that may be a very regular occurrence for you to make visits with police officers. Additionally, when you go into the home, there may be other hazards, if you will, or other things that might be in the home that could be dangerous or gross as well. I remember there was one time that I went into a home and it was when I was working in affordable housing and the property manager was worried that this person may be a hoarder. And so I go into the apartment and I recognize that the while this person wasn't a hoarder per se, you could still walk around and it really wasn't, you know, that many things. They they had they call themselves a collector. So they had a lot of things that they collected. But what the problem was is that they had a really bad roach infection. Infest infest infestation. Infest infestation. There we go. <laughs> a really bad roach infestation. And I, it, roaches are one of my fears and they really gross me out. I cannot think clearly if there is a roach anywhere in sight. And I went there and I was in the house and I did not sit down on any of the furniture. Or if I, if I would have to sit on a furniture, I would choose to sit on something that is not cushioned. So not a couch, but maybe if they have a hard kitchen table chair that I might be able to sit at, things like that, because I was worried about roaches crawling on me from the couch. And um, and so eventually, where I'm going with this, eventually what I did is I it took an immense amount of emotional restraint to not scream every time that I saw a roach and to not just run out of the house. So I had to have the conversation with the client about, you know, do you do you realize that there is a roach problem here? What have you done to try to fix it? And how can we help? What kind of resources do we need? What is preventing us from fixing the situation? And for this particular person, it was a lack of funds. They have tried roach killers and sprays and it just wasn't working and they were expensive. And so they couldn't afford to do anything more than what they had already done. And they do realize that it's a problem. So being able to connect her with financial resources that might be able to help with that particular situation. Other, other things that you might encounter could be mold in the home. And for people like myself who have asthma and breathing problems, that can be a really big problem. So for me, I would either take a mask like an N95 mask, or just not go in there if possible, maybe meet outside if that is an option. Or you can always, you know, with any of these situations, you can see if meeting at a public place is going to be appropriate so that you're not actually going into the home. So mold, uh, bed bugs is one that you don't want to mess with either. So I would not recommend going into a home with bed bugs if you can prevent it. Uh, with all of these, and also too, there's just the general uncleanliness of the home. <clears throat> and this can be for various different reasons. If they made a, a lot of my patients, when I saw them with hospice, they were just unable to physically clean their home. 
and they didn't have the resources to pay somebody, a house cleaner, to come in and clean their home. So it got to be very, very dirty, very messy, uh, and to where it hasn't been cleaned in a very, very long time. So being able to connect them again with the financial resources that they need in order to, to have that happen, to have their, their home cleaned. And it is important to approach all of these situations minus harassment. You don't really need to pr- approach harassment with this, but approach these situations with, with respect and empathy and non-judgmental. Be as non-judgmental as you possibly can. Because a lot of times the clients probably realize that they have a problem and they've tried to do things to fix it. But at this point, they just, it it might be something that's embarrassing or shameful, or they've even had problems with social isolation. Nobody, they stopped inviting friends over, family stopped visiting because of the environment. So all of these things to be aware of is your response can really make or break that rapport. Hey, it's Catherine here. I hope you are enjoying this episode. We're going to take a quick break to listen to these ads from our sponsors. If you're planning to take the BBS law and ethics exam, the ASWB master's or clinical licensure exam, or if you're studying for the MFT exam, then you need a proven program that can help you understand the exam questions and pass with confidence. If this is you, I highly recommend the Therapist Development Center. I personally use TDC to pass my law and ethics and clinical exams and found the program provided me with everything I needed to pass with confidence. TDC's program integrates various ways of learning in an organized fashion, containing all of the information you need to pass without the overwhelm. And now, bonus, TDC is also offering a library of continuing education courses that fulfill your license renewal requirements and will support you in your career development. If this sounds like something that you need, visit their website, therapistdevelopmentcenter.com and use the code SWRISE10 at checkout to receive 10% off any of their CE courses, including their brand new course, On the Edge of Life, an introduction to suicidality. You can also check out the link in the show notes. So... Here, we're going to talk a little bit about your safety plan and some general tips for staying safe and for being well out in the field. One, we're going to start with your clothing. Know what is going to be appropriate for your clients and dress appropriately. So chances are you may not be environments where you can be dressing cute in high heels and with your cleavage showing or with your crop top. Chances are that is not the type of environments that we are working in. So make sure that your clothing is appropriate, that there's no cleavage showing, no bra strap showing, no thongs popping out of your your pants. I see you. I've seen this happen. So please don't let this happen to you. Make sure that you're dressing appropriately. Additionally, too, if you are looking too cute, 
it might be a distraction. And I know some of us cannot help but look cute because we are just beautiful human beings. But just kind of be aware of that. And if you are an attractive person, being able to process this with your with your supervisor or with other people and how you might be able to respond to certain comments, to be able to redirect the conversation to something that is more professional and for the reason that you are there, right? So you may be the most beautiful person in the world. I bet money that you are. However, we are not here to talk about your beauty. We are here to talk about whatever your purpose is for that visit. So just be aware of how you're presenting to the clients because this first impression goes a really long way and we want to be able to show up professionally. And if there's any question about this, talk to your colleagues, see how they dress, talk to your supervisor, see what is recommended, and even ask these questions before you go in for your first day about what is an appropriate clothing attire. If they tell you business casual and you have no idea what this means, then go on to Google, YouTube, Pinterest, find different examples of what what it is that that they're expecting of you and just appropriate. Again, um, if, especially if you're working with kids, you do not want any low cut shirts and you may not want to wear dresses either because if you're bending over or getting up and down from the floor, we really don't want to be a flasher. That is not our goal here and get in trouble. So <laughs> make sure that you are dressing appropriately. And also too, with with clothing and how you're showing up, I would recommend minimal jewelry, especially if you are unsure of the neighborhood, unsure of the clients, you may not want to wear that giant diamond ring that you have or those sapphire earrings, right? I don't have any sapphire earrings or many diamond rings, but just saying, if you do, just try to be minimal jewelry if you can to stay safe and to help avoid attracting any unnecessary attention. For the bags, so, you know, when I would go in, I would oftentimes have some sort of purse or bag. Just make sure that it is not bigger than you need and it's something that's able to be wiped down easily or is washable because if you're putting it down on furniture or on the floor that is not clean, then you definitely want to be able to, to clean it afterwards. Uh, when making home visits, it also is important to know if they have pets or not. Uh, one for safety, because if their dogs are kind of vicious, you may want to ask them to put the dogs away during the visit. And or if you're allergic to pets, you know, bring some allergy medications with you uh, because, you know, there's kind of no way getting around allergies with with pets, because if they live in the home, then it's just going to be there. Right. Uh, or you could try to to do the visit outside. I always, always, always have hand sanitizer with me. You always want to sanitize any time that you, before you go into the home and after you leave the home at minimum, right? Because we don't want to be transferring any kind of colds or COVID or sickness from one client to another or to yourself right? You just want to be able to stay healthy. Um, if you need to bring a mask. Additionally, if you feel safe with pepper spray, 
that could be an option too. I know that I carried pepper spray around when I was going into some neighborhoods that were questionable. And I just let my supervisor know that this is what I'm going to be doing. And this is what helps make me feel safe. Um, also to, you know, just be able to, to know who you're going to visit. Review the case notes that are available and confirm the visit before you go. Confirm that they're home. Confirm that this is still happening. If you can, I understand that as part of some of our work, making unannounced visits is part of it. So that may not apply to you, but it can help that the, the client would be expecting you and kind of be looking out for you. Additionally, always make sure that your work knows where you are. And however this happens, whether it's a calendar or a tracker or whatever it is, there is a, a mobile app that you can use called Be Safe, which can activate an SOS alert via voice or touch, and it can include your location and GPS tracking if needed. Additionally, you can have a code word if you are in danger or feeling unsafe. I know that I never had this specifically with work, but to be honest, when I was going out on dates, my friends and I would have a code word and I think it was goldfish. I remember that was really random, but it would be something to the extent of I would text them this word goldfish and then they know that they would need to call me right away and tell, say something about like how I needed to come home or something to get me out of the situation that I was in. So you can also do this for your work as well. Maybe use something less conspicuous than goldfish, but, um, but come up with, with a word or a phrase that would make sense for you and your situation. Additionally, trust your instincts. So your gut response and reaction is probably correct. And if it's not, I would trust it anyways. Because the worst that can happen is that you are kept extra safe. Always, always, always err on the side of safety. So if we are unsure about something, always do what is going to keep you safe because we cannot replace you. There will always be clients out there who need help, but there will never be another you. So make sure that you are always taking precautions to be safe. And lastly, we're going to document, 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 document every single thing that happens in there, including the environment and how the client presented. This is really, really important for your work, for maintaining the services that a lot of clients get. If you are unsure or need more practice and guidance on effective documentation and social work, I highly encourage you to get the course that I created clinical essentials for the future therapist. The link is in the show notes, but this is going to give you the tools that you need to really paint the picture about what is going on with the client. What are you seeing in the environment and what is happening, right? So it's important to one, do a, an effective assessment because that's going to show where you started from. Right. So, for example, if I'm starting with the woman who has a roach infestation and I'm able to adequately describe it and then I describe my intervention, what happened, and then I describe the environment, 
maybe a week later, or a couple weeks later after the intervention has been implemented, then that's going to be able to show an effective representation of the work that I have done and my value there as the social worker. So if you are unsure on how to do this effectively and efficiently, then definitely, definitely go check out that course. Um, so that is about it for this podcast. I appreciate you listening. I am so glad that you are here. If you have any questions about this or other podcast episodes that I've done, you can reach out to me on Instagram. I am at Instagram at social workers rise. Additionally, if you are wanting more social work resources, tips, and tools, definitely join the Friday resource email list. This is a free resource for you where I will directly email you things that are happening in the social work world, tools that I find to be effective, and you get to know just a little bit about me and be kept up to date on what is going on here at the Social Workers Rise podcast. If you need more individual help and you are ready to invest in some extra mentoring or coaching, definitely reach out to me and we can talk on if that is going to be a good fit for you right now. So if this episode helped you at all, go ahead and send it to a friend or a colleague and just let them know about the podcast because we are here to share knowledge and not gatekeep. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you love this episode, be sure to subscribe and text this episode to a friend. If you want more, there are a few ways we can get to know each other and work together. First, definitely subscribe to the Friday resource email list. The link is in the show notes. And that's where you can learn more about the courses I offer, including clinical essentials, for the future therapist and the pulse basics for medical social workers. I'll also be sending out occasional tips and resources and other happenings within the social work industry. And for all your clinical supervision needs, be sure to visit risedirectory.com. This is a national directory of clinical supervisors for social workers, and we also provide free resources that you can use within your own clinical supervision. Lastly, if you have more individualized needs, I do offer coaching, individual consultations, and am available for public speaking engagements for social workers and change makers. Lastly, the boring legal stuff, but very important. The information in this podcast is not meant to be a supplement for therapy, professional advice, or clinical supervision. This content is provided as is solely for informational purposes. It is not legal, health, or safety advice. I am not advising you as a therapist. Organizations should engage their own experts to ensure any adoptive measures are compliant with applicable laws and standards in their jurisdictions. The opinions expressed by individuals or organizations are their own and do not reflect the views or opinions of Social Workers Rise or Catherine Moore. References to specific products or organizations do not constitute any endorsement or recommendations. 
by Social Workers Rise.